0: Broadcasting from Hollywood, California, it's Grant's
1: Rants Hollywood Talk. Warning, we are talking politics and we're not trumpeters. How will Arnold do hosting Celebrity Apprentice? Lindsay has a new man and there are too many award shows. That and an inside look at composing and film and television with Alexander Artson now. Let the ranting begin. I'm sitting across from film composer Alexander Arntzen. Hello. Hello. I am glad to have you on. I feel like we've known each other for a while. a
0: very long time.
1: Um, but yeah, I think we only really met once.
0: Yeah, it's true. We went to a Cheesecake, actually. I think.
1: Yeah, we did. We did. <laughs> now, Alexander and I know each other through um, a, a project uh, at Chapman University where I went to school, and I believe you were just starting school at that point.
0: Yeah, I, I actually was just working on projects there, because I went to Berkeley, but I was just contacting various filmmaking schools around the country. Chapman was one of the best ones, so it was like a no-brainer to contact people there. Yeah. I think I worked on a pilot with Ali Franco. Yes. And that's, I think, how we then knew, got to know each other. Yes, rising
1: above. Ali and I, uh, she was in from New York, and I actually just went to lunch with her yesterday. So oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. Everything happening in the same weekend. Exactly. Uh, re- all related, of course. Your name is a familiar sound to our listeners, because you are the composer of our theme song, and our jingle, however you refer to it. Yeah, exactly. Our lead-in. song, Our lead-in, so yes. So many different ways to say it. So, yeah. So, you know, people might be saying, I know that name. And now you know why, because he has composed our show. And also, I mean, Alexander, I listen to your music at work sometimes, the <laughs> SoundCloud. I'll put it on and just, you know, let it roll through and i listen. So I, I, I love listening to that. I love a lot of the stuff that you've done. And it just, it's just good listening for me It's because
0: it's quality work. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like know, to, I like to do different genres of music, but I definitely always want to keep quality at the, the utmost, you know, all the time.
1: Absolutely. Well, we're broadcasting from Alexander's studio here and we've got a good show for you. So let's go. How can we avoid, and I usually don't talk about politics on this show because, and the same way I don't talk about Kardashians. You can watch anything. You can just scroll through news feeds to see the news of the day. But how can we avoid the, po- the politic world right now? It's everywhere. I mean, I'm so tired of seeing Donald's face. I can't tell
0: you. He's on everything. <laughs> no, it's funny I because we'll talk about it later, but I scored a, uh, a Harry Potter fan film and for one moment in one day, like last week, it was on the Yahoo homepage. But it was a few articles down. But the article at the top was Donald Trump. But when I like posted it, I like blurred his face. So I just want to like show, hey, here's the, here's the. It's on Yahoo. Right. But yeah. he was unavoidable. Like he's right there, always, like constantly, like in everybody's mind. Too much. I've been watching a lot of Rachel Maddow, and I think a lot yeah, of people should
1: be watching Rachel because I think that she's, you know, of course, people can say MSNBC. My God, they're so left. But to <laughs> me, to me, I think that they represent me, and I think that she was almost as like a like a. College essay in her well, opening. Yeah, I mean, you know?
0: regardless of, of your political leanings, I mean, you can't fault her facts and what she brings up. It's not like, you know, she doesn't, whether she has a bias, the facts she's, she tells everybody are tr- true. Really, exactly. Like no fault in the she's fact. showing footage that people indeed did yeah. say. On the clip, and then yeah. you don't have to say anything. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, she's just so smart the way she presents her information. And she did such a, um, a great piece about how Donald has really kind of enforced this this violence and encouraged it that's really like what i got out of it more than anything the violence and all the people coming out to not support and to create a problem now he's threatening to send people over to bernie's rallies (laughs) Uh, how is this helping how is encouraging violence in a very difficult and political environment going to help really unite the country
0: I don't know. It's it's so weird because I mean I I used to watch The Apprentice like from the very beginning, the very first season. I loved The Apprentice. Love this it. is before he yeah, I, it was fantastic. I watched like the first like 3 4 5 seasons. I loved it. Then I went to college I think and then it was like All Celebrity Apprentice and I didn't care as much. Um, but it's just crazy. I mean, you know, you never know what people are really thinking and then they start talking like, <laughs> you know, about the politics of, of 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 how they view things and you're like, "Oh no. What I happened?" Know. you know, because it just it I mean he started with a bang to begin with. So it's not like he didn't even started like quietly. He started with the whole Mexican thing and it was mm-hmm. like it just went on from there and, and now it's like you're used to that, that level of rhetoric, but he's taken it to another notch. And right. so it's I don't mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't I don't know if there's some strategy behind this for him, yeah. or if this is really just exactly how he feels, or if he's playing some game, I can't tell mm-hmm.
1: yet. You I've, know?
0: I've talked to a lot of people, and especially
1: some folks uh, back home that I would consider are quite conservative, and they don't like him as a person. And I'm like, okay, that's good. I'm glad that we can understand that. <laughs> but thanks, everyone who defends him seems to be on this economic you know, tide that he's yeah. Yeah, been riding. Yeah, that he, he'll so, be the
0: greatest job president yeah. mm-hmm. ever.
1: <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, that's only a facet of what it is to hold the highest office on of oh, the of land. Oh, of course.
0: It's not all – because they're saying like, it's not all trade deals. Not everything the president yeah. do is trade deals. I mean, if the economy exactly. is doing well and the economy is doing decently, I mm-hmm. think. I don't think there's any argument that it's doing decently uh, You know, unless you're trying to force an issue with, with your voters to, to, to kind of tell them otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, a president really is more of an international force, and that's what mm-hmm. scares me to some extent is that just right. at any moment – you don't know where he's going to go. I mean, one day it's, he goes this direction, they go goes that direction. That's a little scary. Yeah, <laughs> for, absolutely. For, for politics abroad, especially. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, with him, it's just too much. But my real passion in all of this election is the fact that the House of Representatives and the Senate, Senate, that needs to be more stressed that the people who are there that do not represent you or your viewpoints should not be there. And those are the people that have held this country hostage for eight years. And I've said it before on this show, I find John Boehner to be completely un-American in what he did with holding people back and their passion to make Obama a one-term president and then punishing him for the next couple of years.
0: That was Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell is the one we're going to make him a one-term president. Mm -hmm. Didn't get that right, so now he's going to try to deny him a second uh, justice nomination, which is the day Antonin Scalia Mm -hmm. died, whatever you think of him. But you're supposed to follow – you know the protocol and it's w- within the year, it's within more than enough time for president to suggest that he can at least nominate Definitely, somebody. Let alone them they're gonna say no probably no matter what. But yeah. but when you're doing that, when they even have rumors of like nominated a Republican to to, to go on to it and they're still saying no. It's like So, you're just doing it. Why then? Yeah. Just just, obstructionism. Exactly. (laughs)
1: No other reason. Exactly. Well, that's been the theme. And that's why I'm saying I think it's so important that, you know, the people that don't represent your voice do not vote for those people (laughs) because they're not going to help anybody. Like, and I, you know, I think Bernie has a lot of good ideas and I'm very progressive in my own way. However, if he can come up with as many ideas as he likes but if the people don't want to pass that and they're, you've got log cabin Republicans and people that are just way too conservative to even consider supporting our President of the United States, whoever he or she may be, you know, then forget it. Then nothing, we're going to be right back locked up where we are. So it's like, to me, that's the most important thing. That's what I've been stressing in my own life. No, yeah, I mean,
0: you know, I, unfortunately, I think some of the people that might be more informed sometimes, don't got to vote. They're so uh, disenchanted by the whole process. And that's mm-hmm. exactly probably what those people that want to stay in power appreciate because they're not going to then give yep. them trouble mm-hmm. in an election cycle. Well, look, I mean, Trump has dedicated himself
1: to appealing to the lowest common denominator.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love low-educated uh, low, low, low educated people. I mean, when you literally say that, I mean, get yeah. put on Front Street.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 easy to call people names, but it's not so easy to get people to understand what you're going to do as president. And he has yet to answer a question, in my opinion, as to what he will do with other policies besides building walls. Yeah,
0: exactly. Just saying. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, the so, problem is also then when the other candidates try to— uh, uh play his game they lose like Marco Rubio like tries to then went went down into the dirt and didn't quite make it out. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so well, far. We'll see it we'll see it on Tuesday. Yeah but. <laughs> exactly. But that I mean
1: the overall thing that just fascinates me the most is nothing hurts Trump. Teflon just Unbelievable. But even his numbers, his supporters. I mean, there was this big thing about, you know, with, with Chicago recently where yeah. there was the rally and all the people that were up in arms and it did turn quite violent. And I think three people had to go to the intensive care unit. And, you know, there was a question, is this going to hurt Trump's numbers? And it should, but it definitely, in my opinion, will not. I don't see how it can at this point.
0: No, I, because, well, the people that already supported him are not going to stop supporting him. It's, it's a matter of, is he going to start losing some of the new people that he needs to keep the momentum going into the, mm-hmm. into the rest of the states? True. That'd be the only thing. Because, I mean, if, if Rubio and Kasich can hold him off in their home states, then it goes to a contested election or a contested convention, and that would be so exciting. I don't know, mm-hmm. it'd just be kind of like, because that'd be crazy. I mean, that hasn't happened since the 60s. I mean, literally the yeah. 60s. So that'd be really interesting to see how that would Well, I would off.
1: count on that, because I think it's only going to get more crazy from there, and I don't see the people still hanging in there leaving anytime soon. <laughs> no. And, uh, you know, you mentioned a combination of things, Celebrity Apprentice and John yeah, Kasich. exactly. Well, um, they're, they're related, actually. Somehow they are. Because Arnold Schwarzenegger, the new host of Celebrity yeah, exactly. Apprentice coming up, has endorsed John Kasich. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. that just happened recently? Yeah, I think earlier in the month, yeah. Okay. So, interesting. I it don't is. know if it's going to help John. I think John is, you know, I don't know what's going on with him, but he seems to be. The, if I were to go
0: Republican, that would probably be the way I would go. I don't know. Yeah, he just seems like Yeah, he seems the grown up of the bunch that's left. Yeah, you know, I mm-hmm. I, I kind of liked Chris Christie to a certain extent, mm-hmm. but you know, he was he would have been Trump if Trump wasn't in there. But yes. since Trump was in there, he t- like lost any possibility of having that edge because that's who he would have been. But he, Trump takes all the oxygen out of the room, especially from a person like Chris Christie. Yeah, uh, right. I don't know if you saw like those like those like funny vines and stuff like him behind Trump like with like the dun, dun, yeah. dun, like the, oh my god it's so bad I mean yeah when Jimmy Fallon <laughs> did this he had the stand up yeah,
1: of, yeah. of uh, what's his face Chris Christie behind him That was that's all you needed like you didn't yeah. need anyone to no. play Christie because that's literally all he did for that whole speech yeah. so I hope that you can find the entertainment value in our discussion because it's just such a circus and I think it's an embarrassment yeah, for us he's, in he's, front of the whole world he's brought
0: reality TV to politics I mean yeah. he, he became a reality TV star he was, he was already famous before he went on the apprentice, but I mean he obviously grew much more famous because of that. That's how I I learned about Donald Trump was the apprentice. Yep. You know, and same. And he just kept on parlaying that into bigger and bigger things. Obviously it didn't go in twenty twelve, but now he is becoming unstoppable yeah. to some extent.
1: And how the view- the worlds must view us. I can <laughs> only imagine at this point. They do not represent me. I will tell you that. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about way more important things as we look to the future. The Celebrity Apprentice. I know you wanted to discuss more. Absolutely, about Yeah. It. No. no yeah, I-, I read some spoilers from the set. So talk about big doings. I mean, you know, things to really look out for. It looks like Brooke Burke Charvet is going to have a feud with Layla Ali. Oh, there was no. some heated photos. I'm- Already excited for that, and Carson Cressley was injured and walking around in a sling. So we'll have to see how that all unrolls when the Celebrity Apprentice returns. Oh
0: man, yeah. Well, they'll, yeah, they'll definitely hype it up and and do all the all the crazy. I'm curious. I'm curious how Arnold is going to be like, because mm. he's the first person to not be Donald Trump. Doing this, so I'm really curious, like how he's gonna mm-hmm. well, his personality with everything.
1: Martha Stewart did take it over for one oh, season. Okay, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I, can't, yeah was, I don't I even. Was.
1: I couldn't. I don't remember a frame of that. Yeah, like, I, know, yeah I don't It's like not yeah. even on my radar. <laughs> he
0: was in college by then, and I wasn't watching as much. But yeah, yeah. it'll be. But it'll be interesting. Cause, I mean, because he also he comes from a similar. Well, not no, he's not not similar background. I mean, he was like really really self-made from Austria. I mean, yeah. to come here and do what he did was 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 crazy, mm-hmm. you know. So it'll it'll be interesting kind of his uh his personality on the show and what he like kind of brings to it. Right.
1: I thought that maybe Mr. Wonderful would be a good choice because he is under that Mark Burnett umbrella with coming from Shark Tank. So I thought perhaps that might be a good move for them. They have that relationship built and he would be a tough one in the boardroom and I feel like, you know, he would replace like white
0: businessman Donald
1: Trump you know what I mean
0: (laughs) exactly (laughs) But Schwarzenegger
1: will be different and I mean I'm gonna watch either way Celebrity Apprentice is one of my all time favorite shows oh yeah
0: no I, I mean obviously the 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 money 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 theme song but mm-hmm. I also being a film composer <laughs> I love the dun 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 oh. dun, dun 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 the dun, music cues in that yeah I There's loved it I loved yeah. it yeah I mean because I, I I don't watch a lot of reality TV but when I did like that was one of the ones I watched and I loved the music for it mm-hmm. I loved the whole thing that first season where then like the whole shock of like pulling back the whole boardroom and then the audience was there because after that yeah, that, I that, that was that. so amazing because no one saw that coming Yeah. after that it was like oh okay I'm looking forward to the end because it's going to do this whole crazy final party yeah, thing yeah. But that first season was amazing oh, it I was totally. amazing like I like Donald Trump then and now it's yeah. like, I don't even, like, who is this other person now? Yeah. That's what's co- so crazy well, about I, it. I've
1: always found him entertaining until about Very, yeah. six
0: months ago, and then yeah. I just found him dangerous. <laughs> then it went off, yeah, then it went off the, the rails <laughs> rather <But> quickly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: I, what is that sound of the, what is the name of that sting that they use? It goes, oh, yeah, 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 like yeah. It's yeah, like when yeah. someone, someone says something controversial. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What is yeah. that? I, I love don't know. that.
0: Yeah, probably the, that's that's the sound designer's job. That's like when the composer is like, no, it's okay, you take care of that. Like, it's not meh. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Either they made it themselves or it's in some, you know, library and logic or something like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> my favorite part of reality TV is when <laughs> they have to
1: have, like, a beat and then they, they do, like, a jump zoom in to, like, you know, with a reveal or someone says something shocking. Like, no, I just love the dramatics of no, it No, it's true.
0: Have you <laughs> seen uh, on Netflix uh, recently there's a show that Judd Apatow did called uh, Love? Oh, there, I've seen it advertised you're, you're quite heard? a bit. I have not there's, watched it yet. There's an episode, a few episodes in, where... Uh, Some of the main character's friends are at this, like, party with him in his apartment. And they're, like, talking about, oh, yeah, the editors on reality shows are really the gods. Like, they make the show. Because mm-hmm. they make things that don't even necessarily happen occur, yeah. like like you know the stare downs you see aren't necessarily in context of what's going on. Exactly. So I thought that was hilarious how they're like talking about that and breaking down like the, the, the you know the, a reality TV show into how they sort of juxtapose certain images and the sound effects that, yeah. to create this extra level of tension that wasn't necessarily even there to begin with. Exactly, <laughs> which is so fun. Yup,
1: yup. That that's like so every show on television is guilty of that. You know, <laughs> oh yeah, scripted space, even and, scripted you know. stuff. Yeah,
0: they make because they 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 have to jump the shark once in a while. It's fascinating. I've I've watched Grey's Anatomy for for since the beginning and, and that one also to me feels a little bit recently like they've run out of rope, I feel. Sometimes yeah. some shows they go on forever and I love it still and I still keep watching it regardless. But a show eventually is like, I we don't really know what to do anymore now. Like, yeah. Okay, let's just go do this now. Isn't there like one or two originals left on that show? What's it like? Yeah, yeah. It's like like uh, uh Gray, like Grey's yeah. anatomy and like like, like, like an extra, <laughs> like yeah, and somebody like I think in the like background, the, like, the, like the old chief of staff and like the new chief of staff, like they're like the old, and, and Alex Karev, I think, like yeah. So it's like yeah. maybe four or five people are left, yeah. I think, out yeah, of the whole thing because uh, they're all they're all they're all There's a plane crash, yeah. car crash, 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 boat crash. It's a bunch of crashes, fires, explosions. You know, limbs going here and there. Oh but, Lord. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: we've talked about the crazy election. We've talked about the the race and Celebrity Apprentice. Let's talk about. Another mutual admiration society, the award show <laughs> oh, season. Man.
0: Is it over now? For uh, films or I, is there I, now I, music and now there's it's other now things music?
1: Still? But I, I, I thought it was over completely, and I did some yeah. research. <laughs> In the, I, I just want to read this list. In the month of January through April, we'll say this is like you know this is after Emmys. This is like just this year alone. There's been several award shows. This isn't even all of them, but just the the ones that are were on my radar. There's the Producers Guild Awards, the Screen Actors Guild Awards, the Directors Guild Awards, the Writers Guild Awards, the BAFTA Film Awards, the Grammys, Film Independent Spirit Awards, the Oscars, <laughs> and now coming up, well, they just had it actually, the Kids Choice Awards on Nickelodeon. They go from the Oscars to the Kids Choice Awards. Yeah. And then there's the MTV Woodies. I'm not watching anything called that. Um, <laughs> that's for like new music artists. Still not interested. <laughs> then there's the American Country Music Awards. And then the most useless of them all, the iHeart Radio Music Awards.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't even because that started s- with I thought Kiss FM, right? Yeah. iHeartRadio. Yeah. And now it's, it's like they've obviously uh, attached various stations in LA to it, or maybe across the country. I have no idea. Yeah, Um, they have like a network, like they have the app and they connect to all of
1: these different stations. Because I mean,
0: at some point, I mean, after like the Grammys and after like all the other music awards, the American music awards, the country music awards, the Latin music awards, the...
1: Oh, those are coming,
0: yeah. What is is the the niche that iHeart... The iHeartRadio one does. Because, I mean, I listen to him a lot. That's I don't, like I don't a even fan that one. one. Now, that's like for the fans It's like a, like a radio station kind of thing? Yeah. Like, like a like sound radio of, It's just
1: an excuse to televise performances. And yeah. it's all the same songs that we can turn the radio on and listen to. So it's like, to <laughs> me, it's like just watching the same people do the same things. And Nicki Minaj accepted an award. And she didn't even know what it was for. And that's when you know it's just too <laughs> yeah. much.
0: Now, yeah, now you're literally just, you know, come to an award. You know, we'll pay you tons of money to come to our show. You know, yeah. for promotion and, and I don't know. Yeah, the and the business t- side of yeah. it definitely eludes me. I don't I don't get all that stuff, but
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm not interested in the awards and in fact I covered very little on this show purposefully because I just don't have the passion for it and I don't want to come across phony or try to like sell something that I'm just not into. This is Grant's rant. My rant of the day <laughs> is I am just completely sick of these award shows. Grant's rant of the day. I can't be bothered watching anymore. I really am not interested. I mean, I I like even the Oscars. I suffered through those. I really did. Yeah, I mean,
0: I don't I don't know. I I had like a mixed feeling about, especially this one with with uh, Chris Rock being the host and and Oscars so white. The whole trending mm-hmm. thing about that because I felt like they did a great job at the beginning of it, of it of it talking about that and and even the few segments after that. But then it it just felt like they were then making fun of it almost by talking about it. Now, now too much, and this type of skits they were doing were like yes. kind of almost like a Daily Show kind of sketch, like the one with interviewing people outside of like, like Compton, I think. Yeah, and yep. it was like it was fine, but it was like when you do it that much, now it feels like you're almost insulting the very reason why you're talking about right. it to me. Maybe, maybe I I agree. I, I'm with a white you. person, so I can't necessarily <laughs> speak to it to the same extent. But I mean, it came to me off like now I feel uncomfortable. Like not not that I feel uncomfortable, but like I would feel awkward for a person who is trying to promote diversity and equality because now it's like. You've gone so far now the other way. Now it's just like a little bit strange right. yeah. to me. That's that's what it came off as. Because the first half was like fantastic. It was great. I got it. And it was, it was like really well done. Mm-hmm. But then it just felt like, okay, this is now cool. Yeah. You got it.
1: That was the most <laughs> long-winded show. I couldn't even finish it.
0: I saw I saw your video about uh, when Anniemore Cone got oh. the award. Because I agree, I, I went to like the Oscar nomination reception uh, the day before, and so I like I, I met like John Williams and Anniemore Cone and all those guys. Like like sitting in the booth, like right there, like when they're accepting their nominations at the party. Um, but obviously, Anniemore Cone is Italian, and he only like speaks Italian. So his translator, I think, it was even his son. But his translator had to like basically speak halfway through for him and you know Pharrell and Quincy were up there and everything like that so that was, that was pretty yeah.
1: funny I'm not interested I wish I I mean it's tough I'm doing a show called Hollywood
0: Talk yeah. and I can't, agno- I mean, it's I can't like, not it, it acknowledge it is kind them. of the, the apex of Hollywood yeah. is this final sort of award of the season and then it starts right. all over again
1: exactly I'm not ready for the Emmys so at work they're already starting to get ready for submissions oh and I'm God. like and then it's like you know figure out how we're gonna do the for your consideration DVDs and I'm like you know that those come in like a avalanche so it's like I just I'm not ready to wrap my mind around the Emmys just yet. So, I need a minute. But I, I can't get over them. It's just too much.
0: It has felt like over the years it's like every other week there's another award show and it's like, no, but we just, really? I can't handle it. I don't even. I really don't watch most of them. I do. I like watching the Oscars. I'll watch, like, uh, Golden Globes and actually the BAFTAs. The BAFTAs are really good. Have you ever seen the BAFTAs? No, I've seen They're some BAFTA great.
1: specials where they They're, highlight
0: programs. Stephen Fry has been, like, the host, I think, for, like, for years now. But, I mean those are good and mm-hmm. that's a quick show I think it's only, it really is like a like a two hour show it's, it, I think oh, it's that's on, what, on BBC yeah. yeah it's so good like I actually only starting last year actually I started watching it and this year I watched it again that's the show to watch to me like that one because it's funny I love the British dry humor I love mm-hmm. all that stuff so like for me yeah. like that show if you want to watch a show that still gives out awards but is still funny and interesting and, and quicker mm-hmm. BAFTA's is probably my favorite now i season. assume
1: it's also a different list it's not the same people it is. collecting the same yeah. awards yeah and obviously
0: there are some like special awards like like upcoming british star and best british movie so they do a few british obviously awards for the baftas because mm-hmm. it is in england and everything but overall they still give out like the major awards like i think the best actors and actresses they still get the best actor you know and and score and most of the awards are still similar and some of them probably aren't shown on tv they don't they go on yeah. and on and on with mm-hmm. with you know all the different uh, uh awards categories but um I will say, I mean, one way I feel like they could cut down, you know, and obviously I do, I do, I score quite a few short films still, but certainly like cutting out some of like the at least on screen like some of the short film categories that you know those those would be easy fixes maybe to, to speed it up. Obviously, I'd like to keep the score on TV. That'd be, yeah. that'd be fine. Obviously, if you if you have a, a, an Italian. 87 uh, year old composer. It's going to make things a little slower, a little more complicated. But that being said, in general, that's not been the case. It's actually been much younger guys that have been winning and and, and uh, new fresh faces, which are kind of fun. But his is actually overdue because mm. he actually already has a lifetime achievement Oscar, Niemirokone, and then he finally won his first after like five nominations. He's won his first yeah. op- Oscar ever at 87. So yeah. you know, because he was the guy, he was he was the good, bad, bad and the ugly. Like the woo, wah, wah, uh, wah. Yeah. Like that's the guy. That's, that's the composer. Him. Yeah. That's him. So you know, he's been around forever. I mean, he's he's, he's mm-hmm. a hallmark film composer honestly but if you didn't know that you're just like what is this guy doing yeah, yeah, Like, what yeah. is this so it, it definitely is uh i don't know i don't know how the oscars fix because it, it's always uh it's always tough but i did like the fact that the orchestra was underneath the stage this time because mm-hmm. sometimes they pipe it in from like capital records and it's really oh. weird it's like they're just like yeah, in another like part remote, of town like yeah it's very strange mm-hmm. but I, I appreciated that because you know i, I obviously i want to keep live musicians you know Oh, you know, doing well and, and alive. I don't like to just use sample libraries yeah. when I write music, so... Right. That's my own little thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Final thought on award shows for me. I used to be very into them. I seat-filled for a bunch of them, and it just killed it for me. You know? <laughs> I, because they are the longest thing. It is live to, live to tape. Well, not really live to tape, but it is a live broadcast, most of them. And when they have the commercial breaks, you don't feel like you're in any type of a break. Uh, it's just... It, it just feels like one extended long show just of go, awards, go, go, go,
0: go. and I
1: mean the the technical Emmys. I, I think there's something like over sixty awards given out. And so that is a very love you think of yeah, all. The, the, the music that the music nominated. category
0: has been downgraded to the technical amenities. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep.
1: That's terrible because I think the reality TV award has been moved up to the telecast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: so, it's yes. True. Because
0: it's, yeah, it's, it's what people want. They don't care about um, you know, uh, music It's just this thing that happens in the background so no yeah, one, yeah. one necessarily knows. Yeah. If you don't know, you don't know, and you're not going to right. appreciate. It. But everybody's like, "Oh, but the reality TV show, you know." Together. Yeah,
1: they want to see the the men who, who do the boats. What is that? The fishing, the, the, they, whatever oh, that is. Yeah, they win every catch year. Or something. Yeah, deadliest catch. Yeah, they want to see them those the men amazing come up race, Yeah, the usuals. Shows. Yeah, mm, too much for me. <laughs> but I need to talk about Lindsay Lohan. Okay. I haven't talked about her in a minute, and I love to keep tabs on the whole Lohan family. So, Michael is speaking out to page six, Lindsay Lohan's father. And there's a new man in Lindsay's life, a billionaire. As these women age, they manage to always (laughs) locate a billionaire somewhere overseas. (laughs) Must be nice, there's none here, unless if you're into Donald. Yeah, um, (laughs) he's taken, I guess, for now. (laughs) Yeah, for now. But uh, Lindsay is 29, and she's with a 22-year-old man, Igor. Now, I don't think the age difference is that bad. However, him being 22, you know... Guys, 22 years old aren't really looking for forever. Yeah. You know? So, Michael, of course, has to speak
0: out. billionaire, I imagine. I mean, like, is he a billionaire or is he an heir to a billionaire? Probably an heir. It's like he didn't actually, like, a 22 man, he's like Christian Grey or something? Like, this is crazy. Yeah,
1: I mean, he probably hasn't done a damn thing. But, (laughs) uh, Michael is saying to page six, Oh, he's not a he's not a good influence. He's a great influence. And it's like you're so pulling on people, you know, uh, like you're so playing people with bait. a statement like yeah. that. Yeah. Yes. I don't like that. Typical Lohan nonsense. Um, but yeah, I mean, basically, he's trying to revive Lindsay Lohan's career, as many people have. The mighty O couldn't even do it herself, Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> but I guess this billionaire is going to do what he can. And by in doing so, he's introducing her to the Russian culture, Russian cuisine, and they've attended Russian bathhouses together. So, I mean, if I don't know if that will revive anyone's film career. But I, I mean, I guess she's having fun, and we know Lindsay likes to have some fun.
0: Yeah, I, I, you know, it's. Uh, I don't know what uh, connections he has. Or she's gonna start starring in like Russian films or something. Yeah, maybe know, she better start getting is. like
1: Rosetta Stone going or something.
0: I mean, it's definitely unfortunate. I mean, I definitely loved her. You know, like the Parent Trap remake and and uh, like Mean Girls and all of yeah. those back in the day. Like she was great, and it is weird. Like she just kind of, kind of uh-huh. fell off, and then never, never really quite. Came back she was like a very different yeah. totally flipped like her whole thing maybe she's always yeah. like that and she just now had the ability to then go out and party and be that person mm-hmm. um it is unfortunate like especially when somebody starts as like sort of a child actress right child actor just takes that nosedive because it goes it usually does go one way or another. The usually they don't go quietly into the night it's yeah they keep becoming more successful as an adult either as a star or behind the scenes mm-hmm. you know like like ron howard or yeah. they, you know, yeah, right, yeah.
1: <laughs> they, <laughs> she keeps relating herself and her life to Elizabeth Taylor. Mm. Um, you know, do you find any real similarities between those two, or do, I think it's all kind of in her head. Which did she play Elizabeth
0: Taylor in the movie? Yeah, so yes, probably, in a for, lifetime. television. she was like movie. tapping into her like method acting or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah But yeah. no, I, I, I could feel it when I played her. No, <laughs> I, I don't know that. Yeah, that I. Mm-hmm. I don't know Elizabeth Taylor's story honestly that well either, so I, I couldn't speak to that. But I, it doesn't seem that way, yeah. From what I've seen, mm-hmm. and she does she seems, she doesn't seem to get as much news now. I feel like now people are focused on I know like I'm hating it because I need more news <laughs> <for> There's <laughs> like not as much to talk about. She's moved to Russia to get news now. I mean, she's yeah. going to Putin, I guess. Maybe he'll help her.
1: Oh, Lord. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe she'll be the new ambassador over there. <laughs> that would be amazing. Who knows? Lindsay, I'm keeping an eye Shirley on Temple you.
0: Shirley Temple was an ambassador for the United States for a long time. So, hey, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Stranger <laughs> things
1: have happened in Hollywood.
0: Oh, yeah. You're listening to Grant's Rants. Please rate, subscribe, and share on iTunes and social media. Spread the word. There are a lot more rants to come. Follow us on Twitter at Grants underscore underscore rants. And now for the one-on-one.
1: So, Alexander, let's talk about some topics in your life. Your <laughs> <Yeah>. hot topics. <laughs> my, yeah, my hot topics. <laughs> my, my word. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about how you, how music found you, how composing found you.
0: How did this all start? Uh, You know, it started... It's weird because when I started like taking piano lessons in first grade, I actually hated practicing piano. I hated going to the piano. I hated I didn't hate music, but I just hated having to practice piano, doing scales, doing all that stuff. I didn't enjoy it either. <laughs> yeah, it was not fun. It was not fun. But then the first time I, I wanted to go to the piano was uh, in 6th grade my my piano teacher had me or you know asked me to sort of write a piece of music because she knew that i, I like to kind of do that and so once i started to write music that's when i couldn't get away from the piano that's why that's when i couldn't get away from wanting to write music was mm-hmm. creating the music not just practicing scales and all that kind of stuff because i i'm not as much of like some virtuoso like player as much as like not that a virtuoso composer but like i like to compose i like to create new stuff and right. i like all sorts of music i i, I take uh um uh inspiration from film scorers for sure but i also love to listen to top 40 radio i love to listen to hip-hop i love love to live into any kind of music i love to hybrid this kind of stuff because as a film composer you also need to be a chameleon and what led me to film composing in particular was i was um you know watching the star wars movies as a kid and i was like well how is that that music really captivates Mm -hmm. and leads the audience on such a such an adventure and such an emotion that that without it at the time i didn't necessarily know that you know music was necessarily attached to picture in the way it was but once i realized like that's what i want to do right. for sure I, I want i want to be the person in charge of how to how people feel during a movie like whether it's a funny scene maybe you do some funny music whether it's action action music whatever it is sad that really pulls the heartstrings you know so mm-hmm. it, I, that's what i've always loved about music is that it can it does it does sort of subtly manipulate uh, like emotions in people yeah um so that's the part i love about it
1: Right now, you are, are you mainly working within
0: the film space. Is that necessarily the goal, or
1: you know I feel like you're pretty versatile in, in what you're. Pretty you score.
0: versatile, yeah. I like to do different mediums. I mean, film and TV would be the the big two. You know, if mm-hmm. I was you know scoring seasons of stuff, while also scoring a couple of features a year, eventually like that would be obviously the dream, yeah. <laughs> you know, give or take. Uh, but you know, you, you dabble in all sorts of things, and especially at this mm-hmm. at this uh, point in my career, you're still working with uh, younger filmmakers. Uh, you know, on short films. You know, and there's you know the the, the promise of you know. You make the short film then they make the feature you score the pilot you score the season that's that's the quid pro quo that you sort of go through because usually obviously they can't necessarily pay you as much up front but that is the the sort of the as they go up you go up with them essentially Mm -hmm. which is which is always fun it's really fun because i've worked with some people since high school and they're finally starting to really like peak to some really interesting projects like one guy uh, i just uh, finished this harry potter fan film called Severus, severus snape and the Marauders. And uh, it it's it's up again. I mean, he did one before this called The Greater Good, and it ha- almost has four million views on YouTube. This one has been out less than two weeks, and it has like three hundred and thirty thousand views on YouTube. And everybody loves mm-hmm. it. Like they've changed, it's changed their opinion on like Severus Snape and stuff. So it's like really cool, and people love the music and everything. Um, but that guy worked with since high school. Now I'm seeing this happening, and then he wants to go and make his next project is going to be, of course, a feature now finally. So that'll be fun. I have another guy since high school that actually was my uh, one-to-one teacher. At Apple, like I was learning like Apple products, like Mac products. I went into the Apple store, and he was my one to one teacher, teaching me like a film Final Cut Pro. Uh-huh. Uh, and I was like, Oh, it seems like you uh, are, are you know, you know how to do movie stuff. Do you movies? And he's like, Yeah. And he's like, Okay, can I maybe score one of your short films? Are you making any films right now? I He's like, Yeah. Now fast forward, probably sometime if they do end up shooting in the summer, I'll be scoring his first feature in fall. Wow. So it's really amazing that's like over six, seven years the, the arc of a relationship and like yes. building with somebody and seeing them grow and, and letting having them have patience within you to grow as well and you get better as they get better. Absolutely. That's really amazing because that's what it is. I mean, at the end of the day obviously there's the industry and there's all the other things we talked about about award shows but it's a relationship between two people just as much as a friendship or, or a romantic relationship. Like it's a relationship that you build and you grow and you, there's a give and take and every, every relationship is different. Definitely. Some directors have a very different style of how they would direct you in terms of like, they're going to tell you like at, at minute two, 32 seconds, five frames, change that beat or get rid of this beat or add in this versus another one's just sort of telling you, you know, colors, you know, I want this color, I want yellow, I want blue, or I want to feel this, oh. I want to feel that, you know, and so, you, and you have to, it's almost like a, another language director speak. Right. you have to translate uh, what people are thinking right
1: as you all know um, Alexander has created and composed our theme for Grant's Grant's Hollywood Talk I really don't give much direction because I feel as though that you know I want to give freedom like I like I said as a Person who creates my own stuff, my own videos and stuff like that. I don't really want to be beholden to too much because if I have a certain vision, I like to execute that myself. So I purposefully kind of always give space, even with like getting like the logo speed and things like that. Like I, have a, I had a general, like I knew I wanted the Hollywood sign, but I didn't know like exactly how it was going to come all together. What do you prefer? Do you like having like that total freedom or somewhere in the middle?
0: Um, I I think it's funny because it depends on the the person. It depends on if I've worked with them a lot. If I've never worked with somebody before, I'm usually very uh, slow to give my opinions, If especially if they don't like something. I'll I'll kind of, like, go with the flow, build up some clout with them, build up, like, a rapport. And then when I really feel strongly about, like, no, we really, like, I'll explain to them why I did this, and there's usually a good reason. Unless they give me some backstory into that particular scene in a movie, why that doesn't make sense, after I tell them what I was thinking, then it's like, okay, cool. Didn't know that. Now I know that. Mm-hmm. That makes sense then. But otherwise... um, because I work with various various directors, as I said, some of them uh, are very open and free about what what they do. They don't really say too much. Sometimes I'll do a you know what I sort of call a hole in one score, where I'll score it, especially like a short film, not usually featured, There's going to be some notes, but some, some short films I've gotten to the point where either I know the person or I just happen to tap into exactly what they wanted, and it's a hole in one, and it's done. They don't say anything, no notes, boom, 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 and it's like it's great, wow. like, it's like it's like it's like soccer, like go oh! oh, It's like yeah. it's an amazing feeling. Uh, and then other ones, they oh, you know great. they'll send me like just pages yeah. and pages of of notes with a code. And I think when I was younger and a little more naive, I was like annoyed, you know, because I had the ego, and I was like, "Oh, I, they don't know enough. They they, they don't know uh, what I know." But you, a lot of those people were also older than me at the time as well. And now I realize, as I'm now their age at the time that they were doing it, I appreciate it because it's succinct. Now that I'm really working, like I make money, like this is what mm. I do for a living. Literally, this isn't my side job. This isn't my hobby. This isn't my you know. This is literally what I do to to pay the bills. I appreciate it because I need to get in, get out. I need, you know, cause usually you're on it for a few weeks, maybe a few months, you don't have time to like, kind of like, you know, move around and stuff like some projects have like longer extended timelines, but generally speaking, uh, you know, it's usually pretty quick in and out once I come into the process. Mm -hmm. So I I do appreciate now the, 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 the specific notes when it, when it does come to that overall, I, I would probably prefer a more free thing. I like to, um, uh, you know, really lead the charge for something original, I have other filmmakers that sometimes have temp music to begin with. Temp music is essentially other film scores from previous uh, film scores and films that they already interject into it. And if you do it badly, you then find out that oh, that's not really what they wanted musically. They don't want an orchestra. They want just like a kazoo or something, you know, something like that, like something totally different. They want a rap score instead of a like a or pop score versus an orchestral score. Other ones are very good at it. Other ones they want the orchestra and they did exactly what it, it it it. It's similar to the notes. It tells me exactly what that I need. I don't need to now guess what they're thinking because that's Mm -hmm. usually the hardest part at the beginning of a project is sometimes you just don't know, especially if you haven't worked with the person before and you're starting from scratch. You don't, what they're saying is not necessarily what they mean and what they want. Mm -hmm. And then you find that out you don't want to find that out after you've already written a whole score and now you're having to go backwards through the whole thing. So, you know, and I use I, you know, especially, I love, especially I have this new studio now. So I love to bring people into the studio. I have like a second chair, like a rolling chair right next to the studio because the couch is a little further away in the room. And so I like to have the intimate, like, you know, they listen to the score, they see what I'm doing and we can interact as as we work with notes. Uh, But in other cases, you know, either they're not, close by in la because i like you know driving in la i mean we could all do a whole rant on that yeah. <laughs> um but no uh it uh i i'll, I'll use dropbox and so like because i work with people right. across the state across the country across internationally so it's like i don't have always the luxury of being able to have them in the room to quickly brainstorm and fix an issue if there's an mm-hmm. issue um so there's so many different variants i like freedom i like to to lead the discussion i like to see the movie without music preferably and then, and then, sort of like, come up with the music and see if they like that. Mm-hmm. those you know, it always depends on the personality of right. the person and, and what they really want. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah.
1: No, for uh, a song that you composed and created, like the theme for this show, about how long does something like that
0: take? Um, a jingle. It well, it depends because it starts just like a film score would. Is what are we looking for? So that's usually uh-huh. the longest thing. And with. If if it because obviously this wasn't really the theme was not it's not really an orchestral theme. Mm-hmm. With an orchestral theme, I'll just bring up my orchestral template, and then you're just kind of going to work at it. So the time I take when I'm doing something that's more electronic and something uh, like that, even it's, whether it's a score or a jingle, it's the sound design. It's making the kick drum sound a certain way. It's making the synth sound a certain way in a very edgy or whatever the the, the tone you want it to be. So I spend a lot of time when it's a hybrid score creating the sound, and then usually the writing is usually much quicker than thereafter because usually especially jingle a jingle and you repeat it a couple times and you kind of add a couple variants so a lot of a lot of like when you're doing orchestral work the work happens once you get going because you're writing for so many instruments when you're doing something that's more like electronic and hybrid usually a lot more of my time especially whether it's a film score or a jingle it's creating the sound to sound really cool because that's what mm. is going to get people it's not going to be the composition as much it's going to be the tone of the the, the sound that you created because everybody knows what an orchestra is you can't really change most of the time Hans Zimmer would like to obviously more mm. times than not to try to like change the sound of the orchestra to make it a little more interesting here or there but generally speaking that's what you have the Orphan an orchestra versus sound design, electronics, you really want to make something different and fresh because everybody's heard the same kick drums and snares that everybody has in their libraries but you want to like EQ Mm -hmm. it and compress it and do different things to it to make it more interesting. Yeah. So like, did it take hours? Did it take weeks? Days? I think once I had the, the, the the, the theme and the sound design, I think it took a few hours. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Now, attending Berklee College of Music in Boston, uh, also, you uh, took upon some internships which seemed to be quite interesting names that you know the average person would know um danny elfman hans zimmer you mentioned him earlier what were those experiences like what was it like to work with those guys did you have any one-on-one time with them
0: it was very cool um the the first one i did was like the first year out of college uh in the summer i like six weeks i think i was at remote control productions uh, and that was fun. I was, I was a runner. I was basically just getting water and people's mm-hmm. food and, 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 and uh, coffee and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but one time it was really cool. He was working on a project. Uh, it was like a weekend and nobody was around. Uh, really, it was a really quiet weekend because usually it's very busy. Usually you never really interrupt him. You don't go in there unless you're like getting him coffee or something else right. or sort of dinner right. order or stuff like that. But so uh, – one of the, because I was one of the younger interns there. Most of them are were like usually most interns usually are like seniors when they're graduating. You know, that's usually the typical kind of thing. You get your senior internship, but I did this when I was a freshman going to into a sophomore in college. And so some of the more uh, uh, brave uh, older interns that were there, like one of them asked, like, "Oh, you know, there's nothing really going on. Is it okay if I just like sit on your couch right behind his main studio desk?" Because like I have like three monitors, four monitors. He has like five or six monitors all around. It's a huge room, oh, a huge dad, everything. It's yeah. like it's crazy. But so he's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then all slowly but surely then me and like one other intern realized, oh, I mean, he's in there. So we all just all three of us just sat down on the couch behind him while he's writing his music. And what I thought was the most fascinating, it was what clipped with me, the most uh sort of my epiphany was when he was writing the music and this was Hans. This was Hans. This okay. was Hans Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when I was sitting there on the couch and w- watching him like write a, just one particular cue, just like I would, he was dragging one of the, like the midi notes chromatically like da 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 like what what i would say is a pretty like generic thing that i would have to do which i think like oh some master Hans zimmer like he, he probably just waves his hands and the music appears like yeah. da, 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 you know it's just like a, they come out of nowhere no like these composers i mean there's still mystery and there's still there's so much talent and technique that they've built up over the years but when they need to create a cue they still have to do the same thing that i have to do like it's not that that was the moment it was like okay there's not so much distance there's still there's still quite a bit of water between us but it's not it's not like a Atlantic Ocean like I, yeah. I, I can see I can see the other the land I can see it it's it's on the horizon so that was really cool um, and, uh, and also even one time I think like after I got him his coffee like in the evening I think I sat like on one of the back chairs when a director came in actually to, to actually go over it, like what I would do and that was really fascinating watching him uh, you know, ad lib and work and improvise on the spot when, when the director didn't necessarily like something and like knowing, okay, Mm. this is what even Hans Zimmer has to deal with. Like nothing, everything isn't all, you know, roses and everything is not wonderful all the time. They're still have to, they're still working. They're still doing what they have to Mm -hmm. do to, to just like every, every other film composer. So that was really cool with Danny Elfman. That one was, was an interesting one. Um, I got called by his, uh, agent through, through, through a Berkeley connection. Uh, and we talked and, um, uh, she put me in touch with, like, the the sort of his studio manager. And so, basically, for a whole summer a couple of years ago, you know, like that the concert he does now, the Danny Elfman, uh, music from Danny Elfman from the films of Tim Burton? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, doesn't he do that at the Hollywood Bowl?
0: Exactly, Hollywood Bowl, and I think like the Nokia Theater, like at mm-hmm. Halloween and stuff like that. And he'd like sing, like, as Jack yeah. Skellington and everything. Uh, I was one of the main interns involved in taking all of his old paper scores that were never translated into the digital notation programs, like Sibelius and Finale. Into digital notation, so as orchestrators like Steve Bartek could then sort of rework the the mm-hmm. music if they wanted to, like into a suite rather than it just being each cue. You could like create like a ten minute piece of music all in one, rather and, and connect the the sort of the, the the ends of the pieces into the next piece. Uh-huh, and correct. so that was that was really cool because the first one that I i had to transcribe was the overture for nightmare before christmas so i'm literally transcribing my childhood yeah you know and it's just like it's crazy and sometimes yeah it it was very surreal for sure um and once in a while you know like every job no matter how amazing a job is whether i'm doing it for myself or for for someone else of, of note you get a little bored because especially what you're doing is you're you're just taking a bunch of like black and white paper and sometimes the, the the legibility is very messy, so it's gets very hard. Sometimes to like, is that an E? Is that a D? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And, and so sometimes what I would do to re motivate myself was be to play that track actually, because I wouldn't be listening to the music. I just I'm just taking the black and white notes and putting it into the digital notation and then you listen to the music and you're like aha this is why I'm doing this this is amazing this is yeah. so cool I can't believe I'm doing this so that was, that was really fun Live, yeah because yeah. most of the time I was actually working in my studio doing the transcription but uh, there was like one week I went to his studio I think was, I, I want to say it's like in Silver Lake or something like that I'm not sure but um, it was amazing like, going into like this like private little garage thing I think apparently it used to be owned by like, Keith or Sutherland I think mm-hmm. but um, uh, it was a cool place he had his own like private apartment he had like just gymnastics it was crazy uh, really cool place and it, it was the weird thing when I first met him sort of in a weird subtle way like I didn't know, know he was in town I thought he was in London and so we were I was talking with a studio manager we're trying to like brainstorm like my time there it was my first day in the studio for the week and we we're trying to like figure out what we we're doing and then um, we were talking to one of the orchestrators about some cue for something and then all of a sudden I hear like from behind me this very surprisingly low voice like, like interjecting into something and I turn around and I'm like oh that guy looks like Danny Elfman and then I'm like, cause he, he, but he was like wearing like a t-shirt and like shorts and like his sandals and like really chill. He didn't have his yeah. black garb and like his normal glasses and everything on, you know. And then I turn around again. I'm like, that is Danny Elfman. Like, so mm-hmm. he was there. He's in the studio. And I didn't realize that at the time. So it was a really weird first introduction to him because I was like not yeah. expecting it, you know. Because yeah. when you're going there, because when I went there, I wasn't expecting him to be there. So I was like, that's oh, fine. This is going to be chill, super chill, whatever. I'm here for the week. Maybe mm-hmm. he'll come in later in the week. Uh, this is the same thing with Hans Zimmer. Like at the time when I first started he wasn't there for like a week and then finally he showed up and like first time I met him I was talking to his assistant and he was like up on the slightly higher level going into a studio and he was like oh hey, you know hey Hans here's Alex and I was like he's literally on a high literally on a higher level than me and I'm like shaking and he's like hi how you wow doing? yeah so it's like one of those <laughs> like no, please, no I'm not worthy but yeah so that, that was that, that those was are funny. some fun things and then another the other crazy thing was I think one of the days I was there uh, it was at lunchtime so I I was like ordering lunch for people and like one person was ordering like a kale salad and like the other uh the other guy there was like ordering a kale salad and i think i'd already ordered like a cheeseburger with like bacon and stuff like that and then because i didn't also at the time know that danny was going to be there so then um he also ordered a kale salad so i'm just like sitting here like chomping on this greasy burger and everybody (laughs) else is like you know doing this and yeah. then like danny's like oh i'm gonna go off and get my sprouts because he was even more healthy like he was like he's like a really good shape like because he's like in his 60s like he's in like fantastic shape uh which was just which is shocking because most of them composers are pretty like they they yeah. sit all day in the chair so the they dark. don't see the sun they don't yeah. see the sun they're very pale they're usually a little little more on the overweight side you know because it's just it's it's hard to like have the time to work out and stuff like right. that i try to i try to fit it in more more often than not but it uh doesn't always work that way, yeah, especially on yeah. you on a big project. Yeah, yeah. It all it falls out the window. <laughs> yeah, it's like the
1: first thing to go with me. Yeah, exactly. It's like, forget it. Like, you know, if I, don't, I do not one have thing hour. in during the week, like if I can get a yoga class in, that's like a, like <laughs> I'm good, like, yeah. I'm doing good. we got those endorphins. Really yeah, good. We're doing I'm really like, like, oh, now. that's success. <laughs> Ooh, big deal. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I checked out your IMDB page and, of course, your website. You have um, a lot of co- consistent, constant work. What's the secret to just keep, finding these jobs and to keep going
0: yeah you know it's it's various places um because when i first started i was contacting people at colleges so i would like contact all the chairs of colleges and put up flyers in a couple places um but a hustler yeah that's what the show's about I like it oh there's some there's so much there's like I spend more of my time still right now like hustling than than even doing projects a lot of times especially in the early part of the year I find everything's very quiet like only now things are starting to pick up for me but the first couple months it was like Ooh, it's just like nothing's yeah. going on. Everybody, well, I think that
1: was the state of the industry in general too. Yeah, probably because I mean, award a, seasons. It Everybody... was a scary time at the beginning of this year because they say at the top of the year is where a lot of projects are greenlit and money comes in the yeah. first quarter. I didn't have that experience either.
0: Yeah, no, it's it is weird because and especially because you're in, I'm in post production, so for me, I'm not going to see that project until it's finished. So usually, they're doing the pre production at the beginning of the year production in the spring, and then they're starting to do the post-production in the summer and the fall, especially mm-hmm. for somebody like me. I'm sure if you're on A-list Film composer, you're working year-round, but for a person uh, a, few, a few notches down the totem pole, it doesn't quite work that way. Uh, you know, there's there's various places. I mean, there's uh, I go on uh, Kickstarter in Indiegogo, and there's like a film tab. So that's mm-hmm. one of the ones I did like starting last year, and I still do it, where I'll then kind of, it takes a lot of tenacity and like kind of like dedication to keep doing it every few weeks, because it turns over. Like what I learned was I tried to like do it when I first started doing it, I was doing it every week. But I was finding, like, the same projects are there because they're there for a few months. And it's like, I'm not going to, like, just go on every week and the same thing. So, I'd, like, alternate between, like, Kickstarter, Indiegogo, find mm-hmm. a few others. And then, you know, other, other stuff is, like, literally on Facebook, I just have friends and I see them posting about a film or something that they're either acting in or they're directing or whatever. And I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, I yeah. – it's so weird. Like, with, like – like, like personal life, I would never like do that kind of thing. But with work, I have like no shame. Like I am just, I. most right. of my work has been gotten because like some of my biggest clients have been gotten because I just, I had the but to just send out that cold email. Yeah. Just like, and either I'm a fan of this person or I saw you did this thing, you know, you know. and you hope after a while if your reel is good and your work is good because they get a lot of this stuff and I hear that a lot when when they respond back to me. But usually they respond back saying, I've got a lot of this stuff but your stuff is really good. Like I'm really impressed with that kind of yeah. stuff. So that that's what you hope is you're building a, uh, and you do have to eventually become a bit um, discerning when taking on projects. Eventually, eventually, you can't do the smaller short films and the smaller student films, or you know, if you do that, like only the master's thesis ones, the ones that they're about to like graduate, like because those are usually high end. Those those look yeah. like the real deal. good after a while, right. you know. Well, that's good. You have to evolve. Yeah. You if you, yeah. If you're if you're hustling enough, the argument is, well, I'm only doing good projects. It's not like you can like offer me more money. Like I'm only looking for good projects. So like the all these different mm-hmm. things that I'm looking for are not necessarily just to score something to score something for for credit it's always that funny thing exposure oh mm-hmm. how, how can i spend exposure i don't know how to, how yeah. to do. I, I, I get plenty of exposure on the projects i do now but because yeah. i work with like some youtube people and stuff like that and so they'll put like my links in their stuff like the harry potter thing as well i've gotten mm-hmm. like tons of traffic to my thing for me like getting a thousand plays in a day is crazy you know for some people that's nothing but like, for me if i get a hundred like that's that's a good day when i get a thousand it's like what happened oh my god yeah you know yeah, this yeah. is yeah. something 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 <laughs> happened <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> i can relate to that yeah it's fun so, so as we Looks to the future. Is there anything you want to promote? I know you mentioned that you were working on a uh, web series for the CW.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just I just finished it at the end of last year. It was really cool. Uh, it's called Saving the Human Race by a guy named uh, Stian Hofsted. Uh, he's a, also a YouTube guy. Um, but it's it's funny. It's a, it's a zombie apocalypse zombie apocalypse comedy. This guy went to Columbia College uh, in uh, New York, and a couple years ago, I saw on Indiegogo it was, it was doing the hustle thing i saw on indiegogo this project called viking vampires and it intrigued me because my last name's arnson i'm norwegian so I was like okay vikings i, I kind of relate to that <laughs> and obviously vampires especially then and even still now are, are pretty popular it's so like oh i'll email this guy so i emailed him and he got back to me he's like oh well we already have a composer on that but how about you do this other thing um and it is a little short, short film called uh, imagine apt which is gonna be playing at the north hollywood film festival this next week uh it actually starred uh una lawrence who is the daughter of jake jillan hall in south paul this last summer mm-hmm. which is pretty cool uh and i scored like that short film and i scored one other short film and then he said oh yeah i'm doing this web series but i'm not sure uh you know what's going on and then all of a sudden i start hearing from back from like i, I went to like a like a festival for one of the short films and then he was like oh you're gonna be busy next week i'm like no yeah i'm fine mm-hmm. like what's up and then I starts going this cw web series and like the actors in it uh, um uh, Benjamin Popick, who's been like a very big character on *Walking Dead* a few seasons ago, and uh, also now like, a reoccurring role in uh, *Into the Badlands*, and then also uh, Jessica Liu, who actually was one of the, the main like reoccurring characters in *Awkward*, okay, uh, which is really yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah I like so, and show. I I didn't even recognize her actually when I was scoring, and I was like, she looks very familiar, because I used to mm-hmm. watch like like *Awkward*, like I knew like one of the girls, uh, Julian Rose Reed, uh, mm-hmm. on the show, and so, but I didn't recognize her, and then all of a sudden I was checking her IMDb, and then I saw that and I'm like oh my god <laughs> that's so cool I want to get yeah. in, I want to get in contact or they're probably going to contact uh, Stian for, for email but because um, you did a great job and it's so right. funny it's so well done it's it's definitely one of the best things I've done and it's going to come out I think sometime in uh, sometime in the spring they said spring yeah. I emailed them mm-hmm. recently just because I wanted to possibly give more information than that but they said they don't have an exact date yet but hopefully it'll be going on uh, a website called the cwc.com, CWC.com. That's like CWC.com. the cwc.com seed like oh, seed, seed like a plant yeah the seed s-e-e-d uh, dot com because uh, uh, they do have some original shows on there and it's I guess also an incubator so the thing is mm-hmm. I feel like hopefully it's, it's a win-win either it, I think it's good enough where it would be renewed for a second season online regardless but I'm hoping hey if it's, I, if it's really good They'll take it to a real show or something. That would be amazing. Of course, for me, no no complaints. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, everybody would... I think you can find the time. (laughs) Yeah, I'll
1: I'll work it under my busy schedule. Yes, (laughs) yes. Well, where else can we check out some more of your work and keep up with your projects?
0: Yeah, I mean, my main website is my name, www.alexanderernson.com, A-R-N. T Z E N, and that takes you to my links to my SoundCloud. I think there was there used to be this like Norwegian writer named Alex Arnson like like six or seven years ago, before I had a web presence. And since then, I've just sort of taken over most. If you type in Alex Arnson, unless you're in Norway, you're <laughs> probably going to see anything that relates to me, whether it's there on you YouTube, go. whether it's on SoundCloud, whether it's on uh, Vimeo, YouTube, like whatever the thing is. Uh, you're everywhere then. I'm I yeah because it's important and that's oh yeah, another, yeah that's another important. that's another thing that I've been doing recently. I I've actually tried to make my Facebook page. I try to run it like a like a youtube channel so like once a week no matter what whether it's just posting a, a picture whether it's posting a new piece of music whether it's posting a video from a trailer of a movie i did or a direct link to the full movie like the harry potter thing uh, i just i found that that has also gotten me more work i actually got a, i scored a pilot last summer from a guy who i went to high school with but he was like mm-hmm. three grades below me and i didn't know him all that well and he never commented or liked anything on my Facebook when I was posting but then all of a sudden this last summer he's like oh yeah I've been following your stuff for five or six years it was a half a decade later I want you to score my pilot like yeah. he was waiting I guess or whatever like he finally had something and he was like I want you to score it so but it just builds up subliminally because you see the people that comment and like on your stuff but you don't necessarily know who else is watching because a lot of times
1: true.
0: 80% of the time I don't even if I like something I don't necessarily like it I just come to scrolling I'm just scrolling I, I don't really think a lot right same. 20% of the time I'll, I'll interact, but. Who knows? There's probably tons of people that think that I never know what they're up to, and I sadly do as some weird creepy thing. But that's that <laughs> social media these days, though. Yeah. It's like you know, you yeah. know more about them than you knew about your family because they're that's not true. on social media, which is really strange in a way. Right. Like I should know like what's what's going on with my grandfather more than that I should know with like this random friend who. I didn't even necessarily meet in person. I know, and I know I know too much about their life because they overshare, and it's like ah, yeah. but it's fun, and it's like it's weird, and it's like you can't help but watch. Like you're in headlights. It's like ah. exactly, exactly. But, that's but, the social media I, world
1: we live in. Because <laughs> when I
0: then get emails from people, it's weird because they will reference like, oh, I've been, you know, saying you've been busy, which I have been busy. It's not a fake thing. I literally am. I have new things to, to post about, and but I just think it's important because I think that's how you build continuity. That's how you build name brand for yourself because I am my business essentially. Yeah, I am there there's are. not you know there is not like a separation between me and what I do. So I have to be out there up front, you know. And it's the music. Yeah. It's not, you know, like like a more uh like a, like a personal thing. It's it's interacting with the music and inter- and interacting with the person, becoming personable, becoming reaching out to people in a way that they don't see you necessarily otherwise. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I hear you well. This has been a great chat. I hope that you are inspired by Alexander's story and all of his pursuits. And you can keep up with everything on AlexanderArnson.com. Alexander, thank you so much for the interview and for the chat.
0: Absolutely, my pleasure. All right, we'll have to
1: have more of you coming up. Maybe you can do a panel or something with us coming up. There's always something going on here. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening to The Rants. You can find bonus content from this episode and others on our YouTube channel. All you have to do is search Grants Rants Hollywood Talk, and you can hear bonus content from past episodes going back to almost to the beginning. So definitely check that out and subscribe to that channel, and there'll be more rants to come.
0: For bonus chatter from this episode, check out Grants Rants Small Talk on YouTube. This has been Grants Rants. Follow us on Twitter at Grants underscore underscore Rants. Cover art created by Howie Rone. Voiceover by Sir Richard Wentworth. Original theme music composed by Alexander Arnson.